today on CityCast Salt Lake. R.J. Walker is a local poet and host of the Mansi podcast. It's about magic and secret knowledge and how it impacts our culture. And despite being a ghost skeptic, R.J. is leading a seance with his co-host at the reportedly haunted art castle in Salt Lake on Wednesday night. I talk with R.J. about spirits, paranormal con jobs, and haunted happenings in our city. And I want to give you just a heads up. At the end of our conversation, R.J. invokes a tragedy and recites a poem he wrote for a victim of a mass casualty event. I want you to be prepared for this and take care of yourself when listening. We are leaving this part of our conversation in because it's the truth. Today is Monday, October 24th, 2022. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. RJ Walker, I have to ask if you believe in ghosts. I don't. My co-host of the Mansi podcast, uh, Elle Alder, is a professional medium. Uh, so she believes in ghosts and she's like, yeah, I'm communicating with ghosts every day. I have a spirit guide named Charlie, who's an old man from the 1920s who gives me guidance on secret things. And I'm like, cool. Uh, I'm glad for you that this makes your life better uh, <laughs> and, yeah. and not worse. It's interesting to me because, RJ, you are at once, it seems, a bit of a skeptic. But you also host a podcast that's dedicated to this kind of stuff. It intrigues you. How do you walk that line? I want you to think about all the stuff that we deal with in our lives that is just made up BS. Totally made up. Um, and how deeply it affects us. There is the old occult phrase, uh, as above, so below. Okay. And I take that to mean that uh, that which is abstract, things like language, uh, emotion, thought, ideas, affects the material, like our actual physical world, the body, the landscape, uh, the animals, the plants, everything in it. And then... In return, the material affects the abstract. So we get ideas from the material plane, and then our ideas affect the material plane because they affect how we interact with it. The example I always go to is money. Hmm. We absolutely just made up money. Money isn't real. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, magic isn't real, uh, (laughs) but neither is money. And yet... Our lives are so completely controlled by it that we would die without it. That is that is how I interpret this, where it doesn't really matter whether, you know, witches can cast spells or ghosts haunt the hallways. What matters is that these ideas are important and they affect us and they affect our actions and they affect how we live. Sometimes they affect us in good ways and sometimes they affect us in bad ways and sometimes Uh, they get outdated and we need to move on from old ideas. Okay, so you're hosting a seance at the Art Castle later this week. What exactly is a seance? A seance is a French word, actually. It just means uh, sitting or session. (laughs) I never knew that. So uh, a seance, as we know it today, is a sitting or a session in which the dead is communicated. Which, uh, in the classifications of magic uh, that there are, it is technically necromancy, which is okay. uh, receiving 
uh, information and knowledge uh, or secret knowledge from the dead or spirits. Yeah. So it seems like actually a pretty vast term because when I think of seances, I think of like a Halloween party my mom had when I was in the fifth grade where she was in a cari- the other room in a karaoke machine and made us sit around and she pretended to be like famous dead people and we communicated with her. But it sounds like it's actually pretty broad. Yes. There aren't specific guidelines for a seance. For the most part, there are all kinds of seances and the, the practice of necromancy is very common around the world. And seances were just kind of a sort of wave that swept over uh, North America and Europe during the uh, 1800s and into the turn of the century, mostly because uh, there was an obsession with death after the Civil War. Because, I mean, people saw bodies piled as high as mountains uh, and a lot of people did not get to say goodbye to their loved ones. Uh, And so this, along with, you know, plagues and other things, led to a certain fascination with death and a deep desire for closure. Another big, like, stigma that seances have is the fraudulent nature of them. Hmm. The 1800s were a time of, like, new science and new discovery, and so there wasn't really an, an ethics system to sort of validate or invalidate discoveries. No peer reviews. (laughs) Yeah, there wasn't really that kind of peer review system. So a lot of people would be like, I discovered proof of ghosts. I vomit ectoplasm and communicate with them. But then over time, like debunkers would show up and they would do stuff like bring a, a secret lantern into the show and then turn it up and turn the lights on. And then you can see like the strings and you can see that the medium is just like vomiting cheesecloth she swallowed 30 minutes before the show and that the ectoplasm isn't really ghost goo. Right. What is Salt Lake's relationship with seances? Because I feel like when we talk about religious or spiritual movements, it feels like we're always the exception and not the rule. Uh, I mean, Utah itself is the center of uh, maybe the most prolific, uh, like, new wave religious movement Mm -hmm. in the history of our country. I mean... Mormonism is the uh, American religion because it was a branch of Christianity created specifically in and for Americans. Yeah, uh, we literally baptize people for the dead Um, is kind of our relationship with these kinds of things. We get sealed to our family for eternity uh, after death Mm -hmm. is like a really strong you know, belief that attracts a lot of people uh, to the religion, especially cultures that have a strong sense of uh, family values. So you're doing a live seance at the Art Castle. Yeah. Now that we've established that you don't believe in ghosts and you think that seances are often, there's a lot of artistry and maybe a little scam artistry. Mm-hmm. People say the Art Castle is haunted. Oh, yeah, for sure. If you don't believe in ghosts, what do you think is going to come of this seance? I think people are going to get really scared and they're going to start gaslighting themselves um, (laughs) is what I think is going to happen. Uh, Tickets are still available. It's a very small uh, audience uh, that we're going for because, you know, I think these things work best in an intimate setting. The room that we're going to be in um, is called the the lava room. And that's because they've put lava rocks all around the walls because they are fabulous at absorbing sound. Mm. The art castle uh, before it was the art castle was a recording studio. 
So before the Art Council was a recording studio, it was a Mormon chapel, one of the first stake centers in the valley. It's like 125 years old. And if you notice, there is a uh, star on the on the building, like in the window. You see this star, uh, like if you go to Temple Square, some of the buildings will have this star too. And that star has symbolism for builders. So that's called a barn star. Uh, you would affix a star to the building that you've just constructed as a good luck charm or a way to bless the building uh, so that it will stand sturdy. And this is a uh, magical belief that was brought here by a group called the Pennsylvania Dutch, uh, which were a bunch of German and Norwegian immigrants that came to America. And they brought with them a lot of their folk beliefs. And over time, those folk beliefs developed and changed and sort of morphed into uh, their own unique set of beliefs. And uh, they're the reason we have Groundhog Day. (laughs) Yeah, a very magical thing that we now sell advertising around. <laughs> yeah, that is maybe the most prolific uh, meomancy uh, practice that exists today. Next to, uh, there was a hamster who was buying and selling crypto named Mr. Gox. Uh, <laughs> and he was doing great. He was up, but uh, he died because hamsters uh, don't have long lifespans. No, I've had but... many and they're all in my mom's backyard and I can attest to that. All right, my last question for you is... If you could reach out to any Salt Lake spirits, who's at the top of your list? I actually have a poem. Um, The Salt Lake City Slam team in 2017, we all came up with poems that were different uh, seances, Hmm. uh, where we would perform a seance for a different uh, ghost uh, in an attempt to communicate with them on stage, like as our poem. I did my seance poem uh, about, I was an EMT for five years, and I was an EMT at the Great Saltaire. Okay. And uh, there was a, a rave that was happening there where somebody was dealing bunk ecstasy that, had, mm. that was actually like a cattle heart medication. Uh, and so dozens of people ended up like having heart attacks that were unable to live basically it was a mass casualty incident and so i had to go in and triage Uh, i had to decide the priority of who gets treated based on the odds of their survival a green wristband means that somebody might be injured but they're they're mostly fine and they can handle their own injuries they can treat themselves Mm -hmm. yellow is somebody who is injured uh in a way that could deteriorate. They might not be able to treat themselves, but they can walk around, they can find help, they can do something. Red is somebody who is critical, Um, like they need to be treated immediately. And black is, if you give somebody a black wristband, it means that they are dead or they are too far gone to treat and their resources should be better spent elsewhere. And I had to give somebody a black wristband in favor of treating somebody else because we only had the one defibrillator and a limited amount of battery life. So uh, my poem is addressed to a seance for that person uh, as a way to kind of like explain why I had to make this very difficult choice um, and whether or not forgiveness is possible or even required. Hmm. Would you be willing to read it? Sure. A seance for the boy I let die. If there are any spirits present, they may make themselves known. 
I know you're there, dead boy. I know you're there because I carry you everywhere, even to this place, so full of life and stories. I took philosophy in high school. My teacher taught us the trolley problem. There's a runaway train barreling down the tracks ahead. There are five people tied up, unable to move, and you are standing in some distant train yard next to a lever. If you pull the lever, the train switches to a different set of tracks. However, there is one person tied up on the other set of tracks. And never has a lever felt more like a trigger. Never has a wristband felt more like a noose. To be a medic is to be a campfire. A thing that holds ghost stories. And I cannot speak yours without smoke in my throat. I'm sorry, dead boy. You were just... On the other set of tracks. It is so much easier to think of you as a philosophical debate hipsters have over coffee. A meme you scroll past on the internet and not a body that I must carry. To work triage is to decide the priority of who gets treated. It is to volunteer to pull the lever knowing that your body is on both sets of tracks. I wear a black wristband every day since I put one on you. And you must know by now that a black wristband is a death mark. It means that this person is a corpse or not worth saving. I wear it on my right wrist. It hides cuts without hiding my desire for death. We only had the one defibrillator. And a room full of broken heartbeats inside kids who took the wrong medicine at the wrong show. And I knew I'd be throwing another log under this ghost story heart. And that log was you. And it has been burning me awake ever since. I summon you here now to ask, not for forgiveness, but of forgiveness. Is it even a word in the language of the dead? Can it even fit in my mouth yet? Does it sound like the girl who lived instead of you? Is it her name or her patched up heartbeat? Or is it the shriek of your mother, the quiet rage of your father? Does it sound like this black wristband, like my pulse beneath it? Do you hear him? He says, a train is coming. That's the poem. Yeah, it is. RJ Walker, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me on again, Allie. If you want to hear another conversation with RJ, he's been a guest on this show before, check out our episode on the history of magic in Salt Lake City. He and I talked about how, without believing in magic, Salt Lake as we know it today probably wouldn't exist. I left a link in the show notes for you. That's all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. We will be back tomorrow morning with more from around this city. Bye. The Art Castle, uh, before it was the Art Castle, was a recording studio. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, it was a very actually uh, prolific recording studio. And a lot of things were recorded there uh, in fairly in secret uh, because you didn't want to attract people, the paparazzi, the celebrity, you know, people. So like Dolly Parton recorded there. Uh, Ariana Grande recorded there. Uh, My mouth is on the floor. <laughs> they recorded like sounds and ADR for Jurassic Park there. Um, yeah, it was a very prolific recording studio. How could anything be scary or haunted if Dolly Parton's been there? She's like the least scary or haunting person out there, I think. That's what I'm saying.